0: We can get this done in like
1: 30 minutes <laughs> what do you think yeah i was thinking to say it. maybe 20. <laughs> 15. Not 20 all right what's uh what's first on the docket wow, Wait, wow, should wow. we announce what the podcast is first yeah we gotta do our usual um you know right. <clears throat> how we've that sort of stuff hello welcome to project a plus my name is hugh your name is hunter um this is episode 100 and something mm. And, uh, today we'll be speaking about a few films. Whoa, whoa, what the hell is this? And what the also, hell is this? Come on. Come on. And hey, also, ha- how have you been, Hugh? How have you been, Hugh? And also talking about how one another has been, starting now. have you been, Hugh? have I been, Hugh? Uh, well, it's pretty easy at this point. I've had 36 years of
0: experience. have you been, Hunter? Uh, you know, I have been hunting once and it didn't, I didn't take to it, so...
1: Wait, 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 wait. You
0: have been hunting? Yeah, my grandfather uh, was a, a hunter. Did he name the family? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm named after my father's family. My dad's middle name is also. Ah, so that's on your mother's side. Right. Yeah. And they, how was that experience?
1: Please tell me in uh, excruciating it was, detail. It was very unpleasant. I'm not going
0: to Did it, you kill something? I did not kill something. Uh, did you try to kill something? I did not try to kill something. Really, you were, you were abstained. <laughs> I was uh, I was I uh, was.
1: I couldn't. Was your grandfather ashamed? It. Was he like, kill yeah. <laughs> kill
0: the beast? <laughs> so kill, kill the boy, kill the boy. Yeah, that's what he said. Did you get deliverance out there? Did I? Yeah, yeah. That's how I am the
1: way I am. By your grandfather. <laughs>
0: No, you won't. For the children of the revolution. Shut your gob! Hey, fuck you! <laughs> so, how have you been? I've been okay. It's I've, been a while. That's it? Oh, since we did the podcast, yeah. Uh, for the audience, it has. Yeah, it has been a while. I don't even know. What's the last episode that you
1: released? So I, I have. I have uh, started the editing of uh, the the top mm. ten of twenty twenty or whatever. Mm. 2022, sorry. <laughs> I've, I've started editing that episode, um, but I've, I've held it back slash haven't bothered to return to the editing
0: mm.
1: um, because I want to have one in the can when we start recording again regularly. Right, which we're doing now. Which we're doing now. So then next week, I'll release that episode,
0: mm.
1: which is a bit silly to release like a best of 2022 <laughs> in March. Hey, that's what, that's,
0: what we, uh, that's what we
1: do, you know. And then the following week, it'll be this episode. Mm. And by that point, we'll have another episode in the can. So it will go weekly for a while, even though we're actually recording fortnightly.
0: Mm. Ingenious. It'll seem like we just wait until we're finished with um, this project. I could do that. Release all of them. You know, we could do it week by
1: week after that. But I can also do week by week if I just delayed a week. Doesn't that work? Does that ever run out? Yeah, it does. What are you talking about? Does it? (laughs) Does it ever run out? I was trying to work this out and I was like, is that, is that mathematically correct, or am I insane? You're insane. If I if I say we record two one. We have week, one in the can. Okay, that one's next released. Next week I release the one in the can. Yeah, okay. And next week we record a new episode, so we've got We're two We're not recording episodes. one
0: next week, they're recording one one two weeks
1: from now. Oh, you're right. Yeah, sorry, sorry. All right, let's do that again. So we've got one in the can. Next week we release the one in the can. Yeah. And we don't record, but we've still got this one in the can. So that replaces the one in the can. So there's still one in the can. Then the following week, we record a new episode. The one in the can gets released that week. So now the new episode is in the can.
0: Yeah.
1: And then the next week, the new episode that was in the can comes out. We don't record an episode.
0: Yeah. And then you run out. Then the
1: week after... We record an episode. We don't have an episode in the can. That's how it works, is it? <laughs> Unless, well, like even if I, even if I release the one we record that following week, like a day later, then we don't record the next week and we don't have anything in the can. So it doesn't work. I thought I was a genius. No. But you just needed to be one week ahead. No, but that's not true. No. So maybe, I mean, this is good news for me as an editor. Maybe I'll wait a few weeks. Yeah. And then, and then start. Yeah. Perfect.
0: That
1: sounds good. Wait until I can at least release all the, the rest of the Kevin Smith uh, episodes, you know, in a in a, in a yeah. weekly hit.
0: Yeah. Which wouldn't be that long. It'd be like rec- releasing it, not this upcoming week, but the week after, right? Yeah, probably, yeah. Anyway, have you uh, continued on your bread-making journey, my friend?
1: I've uh, just got a, a loaf sitting there on the counter as we speak. Wow! Holy shit initially i started just really rudimentarily without even reference to any uh existing bread making law Mm. and uh, i just mix some flour and water together (laughs) chuck that in the oven uh, like sort of campfire bread it's very dense it's okay if you eat it fresh the denseness is not too bad if it's like fresh Mm. and you've got butter melted on it and it's quite warm Mm after that uh, it's not so pleasant but if you slice it thinly and toast it it's not bad so I I did that and I was like wow I'm surprised that it was actually like tolerable to some degree and that set me off on a journey of uh, bread making with actual yeast and such and uh, I baked one a couple of days ago I showed you a picture it was surprisingly nice Mm. and it continued to be so toasted in the following days Um, and then I decided to make one for my brother's partner, because it was her birthday Whoa. on uh, Saturday. <laughs> a, At least we celebrated it on what Saturday. What a thoughtful yeah. gift. <laughs> Came over with a big loaf of bread. Wow. Isn't that nice? Birthday bread.
0: Was she, was she thrilled? She seemed to like it. Was she just, you know, like, pretending to like it?
1: Well, she was polite enough that uh, she fooled me, if that were the case. Mm. And I'll take it.
0: Good enough, all right?
1: um and then uh today because i um you know hit the box wide a little hard last night oh boy uh i woke up and, and felt like i needed a more substantial breakfast than my standard breakfast which is um completely plain porridge just water and oats and maybe like a sprinkling of uh, rock salt or something um and i was like and some that's that's not the right thing to like quell a stomach that is uh, misbehaving in the morning. Yeah, maybe
0: some, maybe some bacon.
1: But um, even though I did immediately start, you know, making bread, I was like, well, I can't really have this for breakfast. Mm. It's going to be a few hours before this is actually ready to eat. Mm. And I haven't, in fact, eaten any. And I did end up having uh, porridge for breakfast. But nonetheless, that uh, urge upon waking did uh, yield a loaf of bread. Mm. This is my life now. I'm a bread maker. I, uh, I make bread. I don't do the things I need to do, and I waste the money that I am living off.
0: <laughs> what are the things you need to do, exactly?
1: Well, arguably, I should be applying for jobs.
0: <laughs> you wouldn't do that anyway, though.
1: No, but I'm just saying, you know, I sh- probably should be doing that in a, in an ideal world, if I were an ideal person, that is.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, I probably should be doing that. I probably should be arranging some form of uh, income coming in, as opposed to... Wasting what I have You'll do that soon enough But we'll
0: see, we'll see You should get a job in a
1: bookstore like me I should indeed And there are other like, creative enterprises That are more meaningful to me than having a job mm. um, That I also want to uh, engage with Like our upcoming video game But uh, to little avail Because yeah, uh, you know, I can't make myself work I can't make myself do anything mm. But hopefully us together could make
0: us both work Hence this podcast, which we sometimes do, <laughs> <laughs> but hence our upcoming video game that we're going to definitely Make
1: <laughs> yes, well, very Project A plus appropriate. It will be too, but that's all we'll say on the matter. Because no, no, not I think I think every I
0: think every uh, week, every podcast now we should talk about our, the progress we've made <laughs> in our game. I think that should be a separate <laughs> podcast. Mm, maybe you're right, because <laughs> I've told you my uh,
1: one of my. Maybe even in the top two favorite podcasts I've ever listened to Is the, the Thimble Week Park Kickstarter podcast Where they would just record their weekly stand-up meetings And it was delightfully dry <laughs> I loved it <laughs> Especially in contrast to like the, the glossy Double Fine Adventure um, documentary and stuff like that Which you also love Which I also
0: love, yes mm, That can be for game two though You get the documentary crew on
1: all right, I think I painted a vivid enough portrait of my uh, sad existence. How about you?
0: Yeah, I've been, I've been fine. You've been fine? Yeah. Excited, excited to get to work on our video game. <laughs> <laughs> excited to quit my job and get to work on the video game full time. <laughs> That's a good idea, right? Imagine if we did actually make something
1: that was like financially viable. Wow. That'd be insane. Well, we'd have to stop after the, if we did
0: that. We'd have to stop if we did that. Yeah. Do you want to be a full-time game developer? That sounds like a miserable life. <laughs> I mean, like between that and uh, doing anything else, it's it's appealing, I guess. No, the ideal thing to happen was would be to have like yeah, like a cult success that just continues oh, to just sell. That just continues to be
1: profitable yeah. forever. Yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We can just live off the royalties from the one game for the rest of our lives and never release anything else. <laughs> Always, like, you know, give interviews where we promise that we're working on something you never do. <laughs> I've never actually put it out. <laughs> like the Wrens.
1: Like what? Well, I'll choose a more popular example, like Chinese democracy or something.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, Chinese democracy. <laughs> uh, That's disgusting. What's going on thank with you. man? What are we doing on this podcast? Um,
1: well, we're going to talk about a recently released film. Mm, somewhat. A released, somewhat recently <laughs> released,
0: released film. In the last year. In the last year.
1: Um, and we're also going to talk about two older films that are linked by director.
0: Well, they're part of a larger project project. We're picking back up the torch that we dropped uh, several months ago. It's been a, been quite a while since we've talked about this particular fella. And who is he? I believe his name is uh,
1: Kevin Antonio Smith.
0: Mm. Is that his middle name? I have no idea. Let's, let's find this out. I think he has one. <laughs> Most people do. Mm. Horatio? Pat, Patrick. 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 Mm. Right. Pretty Wayne.
1: Sounds pretty Catholic to me. Hmm.
0: Sounds like some dogma to me.
1: All right. Shall we uh, kick proceedings off? Well, what are the films? What what films are
0: we uh, doing in total, uh, you forgot to actually mention that you just said we were doing it. Did, I did forget to mention what the films uh, were going to be. Mm. All right,
1: so the name of the films that we will be discussing today are, in order of discussion... Mall Rats? Is
0: that what we're talking about?
1: White Noise, um, White Noise. Cop Out, and Pop Red Out. State. Oh. oh, I didn't watch Directed that. by, respectively, <clears throat> Noah Baumbach, Kevin Smith, and Kevin Smith. Kevin Patrick Smith. Kevin Patrick Smith.
0: What do you think uh, Noah Bombac's middle name is?
1: Noah and the Whale mm. Bomback.
0: Noah coming in a book back. That was an ace reference to the squid and the whale, which I've actually never seen. Before. I wasn't even referencing squid and the whale. I was referencing the band
1: Noah and the Whale. <laughs> <a> terrible <laughs> I don't British know what band. That
0: is. Um, No Way Bomback. Oh, middle name not listed uh, on Wikipedia. Mm. He's
1: a real uh, Noah man. Let's hear this full song based off that real quick. Living in his Noah Uh, land. Making all his Noah Mm. plans for Noah. Seems fair. He's in it for himself. Let's see,
0: Noah Bomback middle name. He's in like Flynn. <laughs> He's got a random reference, but. <laughs> Alright, shall we
1: kick things off? Yeah, let's do it. What noise? Have you seen the academic? Suck like the latest thing. There's a global band. scared of dying and one day we'll be dead let's go supermarket buying oh yeah 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 yeah. no 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 not the modern
0: world have you ever uh, read the book this is based on you no and uh nor do i have a desire to you know, I'm a pretty big Don DeLillo I'm a pretty big fan. I've enjoyed several of his books, including the one that this is based on. Though I haven't read the one this is based on um, since I was an undergraduate in college, so it's quite a quite a little bit ago. Uh, like you know, Jesus Christ, like eight or nine years at this point. So what what have you read of his? Reel it off. Okay, I've read Running Dog. I've read Running Dog. Run, Running Dog. I've read... Okay, I don't know what the title is from that uh, guy. <laughs> run, running, run, running Dog? I've read Running Dog. Running Dog, okay. I've read White Noise, and I've read... You, you we have Road. read White Noise. I have read. I've read Running White Noise. <laughs> running Dog, White Noise. That's the one book, Running Dog, comma White Noise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, what's that favorite album, Crooked Rain? (laughs) Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. Yeah, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. Is that what it is? It is, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's like that. Anyway, um... And I've read Webra, That's the third one that I read. I've only read three of his books. I own quite a few other of them, though, and we'll read them at some point in my life, I'm sure. Okay, so let's let's recap. You've read Running Dog, Running Dog White Noise, White Noise, whatever you just said. Yeah, Running Dog, White Noise, that's one book, and then webra So you've read two of his books? No, I've read three of his books. Running
1: Dog, White Noise, and Webra. So you have read White Noise, the book upon which this movie is based.
0: Yeah, but like I just said, I haven't read it. I read it when I was in college, which is about eight or nine years ago. So not a fresh memory. Not that long ago. Pretty long time ago for me. But you have read it. Yeah, I did. I remember much about it when I watched this movie. No, I did not. But I do remember liking it.
1: It did not spring back to life. Um,
0: certain sequences did, and certain sequences is like, oh yeah, I remember this being something in the book. Right. Um, anyway, should I get into the plot of this film? Yeah. What's white noise? White Noise is a film directed by Noah Baumbach that came out in the year 2022 on the platform Netflix. So there's Adam Driver and Greta Gar- Garbo. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm more like uh, Greta Garbold in this episode. Am I right, all mm, Good one. <laughs> uh, Greta Gerwig. <laughs> now Adam Driver, I guess it also has Dodge Edo in there. Adam Driver plays Jack Gladney, a middle-aged professor of Hitler studies He lives in Ohio and teaches at this college called, what was it called? I don't know. It doesn't matter. His wife is a yoga instructor and fitness instructor. Um, His wife is a yoga hauser. Yeah. Hoser. Uh, Damn it. (laughs) uh, That'll be our next episode.
1: Let me do a queen take. His wife is a yoga hoser. What is a hoser?
0: I don't know. His wife is a, you know, here. Um, and they're each other's third spouse, is that, did I, I read this correctly? I don't think that matters. It does. They all have, they have several children, Um, only one of which is from their current relationship. And they live in suburbia. But get this, Jack is a professor of Hitler studies who doesn't know how to speak German. Hmm. Uh, in a Plot line that was funnier in the book, but much like many things in this film. <laughs> and let's see, uh, there's just sort of some stuff that happens. There's another guy named Murray who is Jack's pal, played by Don Cheadle, who's a professor of. He wants to be Elvis. a bi- he wants to be a pioneering professor of Elvis studies. Uh, yeah. So they're in Ohio, and let's see. There's an airborne toxic Events. There's a conference. Uh, Babette, who is. The Greta Greta Gerlich's character is cheating on her, her husband or cheating on Jack because there's this experimental pill that's supposed to make you stop fearing death. hmm And so she's been fucking the distributor, and then some other stuff happens. Okay. <laughs> Not a very plot-heavy movie, I'll say. How about that? That'll, that'll excuse all my uh, uh, foggy misrememberings. Mm-hmm. But the plot aside, um, that's not really the main attraction here. What is the main attraction here is the hilarity. Am I right? Yes, you're spot on. Now, this is a film that combines uh, col- candy-colored Steven Spielbergisms with uh, the dry wits and satirical put-downs that make DeLillo's prose so unique and enticing. And also layers on a... Um, Healthy smattering of broad comedy in there as well. Uh, It has much to say about um, media and uh, suburb suburban identity in the modern world, and uh, supermarkets and other things. Academia, academia, macadamia nuts, Mm -hmm. um, and how far people will go to get over that thing that the modern life still has not found a way to cure, the fear of death that makes all of our lives meaningful. And I love this film and thought it was an A plus, 10 out of 10, and I would recommend that everyone that I know watch it. You, what did you think? Uh, I concur. Okay, great. Let's move on. (laughs) Project
1: time, it's project time. Project time, it's project time. Project time, it's project time. Project time, it's project time. Life is getting crazy.
0: Come and take my hand. We can watch some movies on a voyage
1: of the dead. Yeah. Um uh,
0: what are we doing? Kevin Smith. Yeah, Kevin Smith. We've come cop out yeah, cop first. Yeah. So, let's so let's talk about this. What do you think? What do you this this period in Kevin's career is interesting, I think. Yes. He's clearly trying to branch out and prove that he's not just the director of the films that he, you know, had been directed up to this point.
1: So, what what had he directed prior immediately prior to Cop Out? What was his last film that we discussed on this podcast? Second
0: Mirror, Make a Maker Porn, which is already him trying to branch out a bit and, and try to adapt his style to the Judd Apatow gross out mold. I guess that doesn't make any sense. The Judd Apatow improv, you know, dude mold, right?
1: Well, okay. So we, we had seen a pattern prior to this where he had seemingly left his old world behind, the Viewerski universe, closed the book on it at the end of um, Jay and Simon Bob's Strike Back. That was supposed to be the yeah. Swan song.
0: And then he immediately reopened it. <laughs> One,
1: two no, no, not immediately. He went to Jersey went Girl. Went to Jersey Girl and
0: then opened it. He dead. tried
1: that. He's like, I want to make a more commercial, mainstream mm. uh, romantic comedy. Didn't work. So he retreated back into Clerks 2.
0: Mm. Great film.
1: And then he's like, okay, I've got that out of my system. I've, I've closed the book on Clerks. That's, that was my first film. You know, there's there's a nice symmetry there. Now, let's uh, let's get some of that Judd Apatow money. <laughs> uh, he makes Zack and Miri make a porno. It's an absolutely
0: terrible film.
1: Terrible film. No one likes it. No. We did not do well at the box office. But he is not deterred. He's like, I can still do this. I can you know, be a director beyond
0: my stick. I could make stuff that's yeah. not just Kevin Smith movies. I mean, this isn't
1: actually, like, true if you look at the development of of these films. Like, he was working on Red State before Cop Out. (laughs) Obviously, Cop Out is not his project originally. The
0: fact of Zuckerberg you know, disappointment probably incensed him to be like, okay, you know, clearly me trying to uh, Hollywoodize or or, uh, apply something that's similar to my wheelhouse, but try to make it more, you know, commercial or more mainstream or whatever. That's, that doesn't work. So I have to zag in a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. So, what does he do after Zekobiri make a That's my question. He makes Cup Out.
1: What's going on? Am I? Is this a movie set? Or is this my house? Who's that guy with the beard smoking weed? What's it telling me to do? Uh, I've been in this business
0: long and he's been alive and I don't know what to do. Where am I? A
1: action comedy film based on a blacklisted screenplay by the Cullen brothers, Rob and Mark. Hmm. So this is the first film that Kevin Smith made. Mm hmm which he did not write mm. and to date the only film that has that honor. Wow. And that must mean it's his best film, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's his best film. <laughs> I'll quickly explain the plot. Yes. Um, so it's got Bruce Willis in it mm. from uh, Die Hard. It's got Tracy Morgan in it from uh, 30 rock. And um, there are a couple of buddy cops, a couple of dicks, a couple of dicks as the original title of the screenplay went. Yeah. Indeed, it's called Cop Out because Smith himself thought it was a cop out not to retain the original title A Couple of Dicks. Mm. So anyway, they're buddy cops. Um, yeah, they're funny guys, right?
0: Mm-hmm. They're zany. Well, one of them is Why zany. The other one seems to be uh, on some sort of medication the entire movie. <laughs> well bro (laughs) hey this is before his uh, diagnosis it's okay to make fun of (laughs) him that's what I think is funny about Bruce Willis's career you know after it was revealed that he had dementia or whatever like (laughs) that may be true but you know it is true but if you go back even like 20 years it's like the same level of stuff Pretty much. Well, maybe he he's had undiagnosed dementia for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah, ever, ever, ever since ever since Die Hard of the Visions came out, He said no, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anyway, so there are a couple of dicks. Hmm. Um, yeah, as you as you said, one of them is wackier than the other. <laughs> one of them but
0: is Yeah, the other one is more uh, dry. Yeah. One of them is Bruce Willis. One of them is Tracy Morgan. <laughs> yeah, that's another way of putting it. And they're not. They're not um, a lot of attempt to imbue either of them with a uh, character. Um,
1: yeah, I guess. I guess Bruce Willis has a personal life. Um, he has an ex-wife. His daughter. His His daughter is going to be married.
0: Yes. Yeah. So he needs money.
1: He needs money. And he, uh, he wants to pay for the wedding, even though he doesn't have the money, as we'll soon discover. Um, largely out of pride, even though um, his his ex-wife's new husband, played by Kevin Smith's own Jason Lee...
0: The only Jason we Or the only uh, Kevin Smith regular to appear in front of the camera. Yes. We still got our boy Dave Klein um, uh, shooting the picture.
1: Yes, Jason Lee... Offers to pay for the wedding because he knows that uh, Kevin Smith is uh, Kevin Smith <laughs> <laughs> is directing him. Kevin Smith, and all, he complies with times. the directions he's given because
0: <laughs> you know, he that, that's what the script says he has to do. And <laughs> uh, yeah, Ke- uh, Kevin Smith this slash it, Bruce is, Willis. This is is <laughs> it is depressing to, to me. It is depressing to me that this is the last. Like actual role that Jason Lee plays in any of his films, mm, not a like walk-on cameo. Yeah, like in Jason and Simon Bob reboot. There's something really sad to me about that. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, Ma Rats Two gets made just so that Jason Jason Lee can be in the main role again. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, so Bruce Willis has a daughter. She's going to get married. Um, yeah, he doesn't want his uh, ex-girlfriend's new husband to pay for the wedding. He wants to pay for it as a matter of pride, but he's a working cup. You know, he doesn't have, he's not, no, made no, of no. Money. they had,
0: they had this scrap. He had, he thought he was going to be able to afford it, but then they fuck up a bust and they get put on, they get suspended. So he can't, he doesn't have, he's not going to have the income to be able to pay for the wedding. Yes. Yes.
1: Um, and then he decides to pawn a prized baseball card.
0: Of Andy Pafko, who famously, famously is uh, a major uh, character in Don DeLillo's, Don DeLillo's novel *Underworld*. Oh wow! In fact, in fact, there's uh, Don DeLillo has a novella called *Pafko at the Wall*, which is like the first chapter, or first section of *Underworld* that was released as a standalone novella. Wow. That's some good detective work. There, is, it, partner. is it detective work? <laughs> 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 this is information that I already knew. <laughs> as soon as he said Pathka, I was like, oh, yeah, just like that Don DeWillow. I didn't but say Pathka, you did. But I, that's in the movie, I mean.
1: Well, the detective has to make connections on the fly. Which one of us is the Tracy Morgan? Which one
0: of us is the Bruce Willis? Um, I mean, age-wise, I would be Bruce Willis. And marriage-wise, I would be Tracy Morgan. Yes, so that works. All right, done.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so he's going to go, okay, well, you know, I've been suspended from work. I don't have my normal cop income. So I'm going to sell my father's prized baseball card in order to realise my daughter's wedding, the wedding of her dreams. Um, But uh, just as he's getting the money for this baseball card from the baseball sh- card shop or the baseball shop, whatever they call them, or a porn shop. Mm, card shop. Um, he's robbed, or rather the store is robbed, and they take the card that he had given to the store owner and taser him. Uh, they're robbed by that guy from American Pie, Sean William Scott.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> um, No spoilers.
1: Uh, So he's got to get the card back in order to pay for his uh, daughter's wedding. And in order to uh, get the card back, he agrees to help uh, a drug dealer retrieve a stolen car that they've been looking for, which is also a threat in the film. Um, Yeah. And also, Tracy Morgan thinks his wife is having an affair with the neighbour I guess that's in there somewhere. Do you need another coincidence?
0: You're having an affair with your neighbor? No. Um, When I was in this store today, the radio overhead played this song that's played during the fantasy scene with Rashida Jones and the neighbor. And I was like, I feel like I'm watching my favorite movie, Cop Out, again. (laughs) This
1: isn't really relevant to the discussion, but last time I walked into the mall that houses a couple of supermarkets across the street from me, it immediately
0: started playing uh, the title track from The Nightfly. <laughs> that's great. What a great... Um, that's a, that, that should be every, you know, every supermarket soundtrack should uh, play The yeah. Nightfly. <laughs> An independent station...
1: WJZ. Anyway the jazz and
0: conversation From the, from the foot of Mount Bell's on We're stumbling over that <laughs> Um Yeah What are we talking about? Cop out Hmm Have
1: I adequately explained the plot?
0: Yeah, I think so. Oh, there's like a a Mexican gang, too, that's involved.
1: Yeah, I kind of alluded to them. I didn't say they were Mexican. I didn't feel the need to racialize
0: it like you did, but uh, (laughs) nonetheless, we'll proceed. Hey, I'm just following over after the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Now, something else I felt was very of its tie was all this, like, very racist (laughs) portrayal of Mexicans as... Very racist, yeah. <laughs> I, the thing I thought was hilarious is clearly the movie had some idea that it was being racist so they tried to introduce like a positive Mexican character. It was like their buddy who worked at a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> they, I mean, it, you know, I think like the standard movie would have had had a, 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 a cop of Mexican descent or something go along with them. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's just yeah. like, let's just go to a Mexican restaurant. It's like... Okay. <laughs> um,
1: all right. I summarized the plot. Now you can summarize your feelings about the film Cop Out. Did you like it?
0: Cop Out is a movie that I felt like I had forgotten that I had watched it while I was watching it. I think that adequately <laughs> explains everything about it. I didn't, did you like it? I did not enjoy it. I didn't think it was but Did like, you like it? I didn't like it. Uh, I didn't think it was like. Actively torturous, but it just felt like absolutely nothing. There's, like, nothing here at all. I'm having trouble even remembering, like, specific scenes or jokes while we're talking <laughs> right now. This is very... I gotta say, I did not detect a, a single trace of Kevin Smith's uh, personality in any part of this movie. I guess except for a general aura of incompetence, but... It was uh, very shoddily done. The only part... There were two things I enjoyed. What I enjoyed how completely checked out Bruce Willis was. <laughs> the, probably my favorite part of the entire movie is early on. There's a, a you know seemingly improvised bit where Tracy Tracy Morgan's um, uh, interrogating a a suspect and he does all these like bits from movies. And He does you know the the Yippie Kaye from uh, a Die Hard and then just cuts to Bruce Willis who has like no expression on his face at all, <laughs> completely emotionally just motionlessly just goes. <laughs> Oh, I, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> yeah, you, no. can t- you can tell that Bruce... Wait, wait,
1: you gave it more inflection than he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like he was reading the line at gunpoint <laughs> and he didn't care <laughs> if he was going to get shot. <laughs> you, can,
0: you, you, you can tell that Bruce hated saying that line.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: I thought that was pretty amusing.
1: Because he does, he does put in more of an effort elsewhere in the film, so you, it definitely stands
0: out as something that he really didn't want to say. <laughs> Him and Smith had a very combative relationship on, in, during this film. Um, yes, I, I remember there's one, there's one story going around how like Willis at one point like him on different like winds types and stuff like that, which is really funny and also believable. That is consistent with
1: the with the reports of his behavior on the set of um, what's McCall? the film we talked about a couple of times on this podcast.
0: Um, <laughs> Bonfire of uh, the Vanities. Bonfire of the Vanities. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like he did the same thing on that film. <laughs> he could step in and like. I don't know if I um, buy it in
0: the case of De Palma, though. Who obviously is pretty big up pretty, director yeah, and stuff like that. Pre- pretty, pretty well knows about technical aspects of filmmaking, but uh, hard to argue that Kevin Smith. He's a little more uh, fair in this case, I have to say. Oh yeah, certainly. And Tracy Morgan, you know, he's doing his improv jokes. I didn't think any of it was particularly funny. I didn't think a lot of this is improvised at all. Really, to be it, it kind of had an improv feel at some points. It does,
1: but that's kind of the way Tracy Morgan delivers any line. <laughs> Maybe that's
0: true. Maybe that's true. Um,
1: but it felt to me like very script. Like you, you can kind of tell the difference between um, so, uh, uh, the type of line that was improvised and the type of line that was carefully laboriously written not laboriously that's probably the wrong word to use in the case of this film but like um there's a very self-satisfied air about pretty much every line of dialogue in this film Mm. like that is the whole um aura that the screenplay gives off in as much Mm. as we can discern it from uh, kevin smith's direction of it Uh, i'm sure he was somewhat self-satisfied himself and maybe brought some of that to the party but very much it felt like a couple of like uh, a couple of dicks a couple of dicks writing the screenplay yeah (laughs) and and thinking themselves very funny and clever at every step of the way and they were and they were and we loved it it was great anyway so you didn't like it you kind of enjoyed bruce willis being
0: in it (laughs) i i also i also enjoyed in a like um i guess like sociological way that Uh, Scene where they just like torture Sean William Scott. It's supposed to be like, oh, this is so funny. It's just like, wait a minute, they're just torturing this guy. (laughs) Like, (laughs) there's something you know. You if you if you were a hack, you could talk about like uh, how it reflects the atrocities that America was conducting in the Middle East during that time. But I'm not gonna do that. Uh, What did you think about Cop Out? Do you like it? (laughs) Yeah, you loved it. I kind of enjoyed it. Uh, did you now? Like, it's
1: not good. It's clearly not good. Mm. Like, it's 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 one of the worst screenplays uh, that we have discussed on the podcast. Surely, true. Even set set against Kevin Smith's own weaker screenplays, uh, mm. because like there is like an idiosyncrasy to Kevin Smith that even in his worst moments comes through. And this feels like any pair of fucking idiots could have written it cynically.
0: Could you could you detect any trace of Smith in
1: this at any point? So there is, there is something about the pacing sometimes. Mm. The lethargic kind of pacing when it needs to be snappier. Because <laughs> <laughs> he did edit this himself as well, we should say. Um, but what you do lose a little bit mm. is his visual incompetence. This is not visually accomplished, but I think by virtue of the budget, even though it's his his same cinematographer, David Klein, by virtue of the scope of the production, I think they just had more to work with that they they, they could actually get around his limitations to a larger degree. They probably had way more coverage, for example. Yeah. Um, So you don't... Quite get the same inadequate staging that you tend to get in his but, own production.
0: Uh, I'll definitely, I'll definitely take, uh, I'll definitely take his inadequate but idiosyncratic staging over the basic confidence that comes through in something like this.
1: I agree. This feels, this feels more like hack work.
0: It just, it felt like nothing to me. I, if, if, if you had told me like any, any other like hack director had made this, it'd be like fine. You know?
1: uh, yeah, it would be hard to pick this as a Kevin Smith film if you didn't know he directed it. Certainly
0: exactly exactly
1: but even though nothing in this film is good similarly with you i really enjoyed bruce willis in this film <laughs> it's actually to the point where
0: you
1: know i i, I have had this this is nothing to do with his recent diagnosis right this, yes. is, this is nothing to do it i'm not even thinking about this at all but I have over the years been very disappointed in Bruce Willis's performances, you know, post Die Hard, basically, <laughs> and because like he's he is so good in those early films that you're like, what? Why? Why is he so checked out and everything? Yeah, else? he's
0: a genuinely he's genuinely very charismatic and thrilling to watch. And like, and, and, and let's say again, like up until what, like Twelve Monkeys, <laughs> everything else is like,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know that was always my contention was we like he just checks out and he's like a non-presence yeah. in films at that point <laughs> yes. he just doesn't seem to care whatsoever.
0: And, and of course our favorite our favorite film uh, breakfast of champions is very yes, very important. Yes, yes indeed. Um
1: it's it's tempting to view his prior performances through the lens of his diagnosis. Yes. Um but I don't think that's necessarily part of it. He no. he seems to have always been kind of difficult to work with and yeah. combative on set at times. And maybe he did I mean, it's likely that he did make a lot of films that he was not interested in and just was doing it for the money. But that being said, just watching him in this film at points, I was like, I can understand why this guy is like a, a star. I can understand that his presence actually does do something. No matter how much he's actually invested in himself, he's kind of he's kind of like a
0: classic movie star in, the, in that way.
1: Yeah, he does he does have something, and I I kind of appreciated his performance in this. I was like, he shouldn't be doing this. This is a terrible script. He probably doesn't want to be doing this. He probably hates Kevin Smith. But there were moments that like shone through where I was like, I, I kind of appreciated this performance. Point to one for me, man. I can't point to one. As I thought. <laughs> I can't even point to the exact moment where I had that thought, but, but I, I did have it somewhere in the film where I was like, I kind of understand why he's a, why he's a star, even even at this point. He's a screen natural. So I, I, And I kind of enjoyed Tracy Morgan alongside him mm. as well. There was just something about that combination. I don't think they were completely without chemistry. I, I don't know if I can believe myself saying that, but I don't, I don't think there was no chemistry between them.
0: It was the classic Martin Lewis uh, period.
1: I think there was a bit of something there
0: you know uh i think in a better movie they could have they they could that that chemistry could have been built to something enjoyable i agree because their personas play off each other well
1: at first tracy morgan in this film is supremely irritating i was like oh this is going to be torture that that scene where he's like cribbing from films when he's trying to do the interrogation that's the worst part of the entire movie absolutely terrible yeah. Um, and that scene was featured prominently in the trailer. So I've experienced that several times over at this point. Mm. And uh, it, it it's it's the low point of this film by far, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: But then when they settle into kind of a routine and they're just like chatting in the car and, yeah. and saying this terrible dialogue, I kind of enjoyed
0: it. But I, I would not say I kind <laughs> I was of enjoyed to it. The right. I would say it upgraded itself to be, you know that white noise to me. I definitely experienced this film, but, again, I've already forgotten everything about it. Like, it, it feels like it doesn't exist.
1: I'm wondering if I would have any affection whatsoever for this film, I do have a tiny little bit, if I didn't know if it was directed by Kevin Smith. Maybe that is the Kevin Smith
0: touch. Maybe. Maybe. Or the Bruce Willis touch. They should have worked together again. Definitely. He could have been in Cortex-3, this <laughs> wheel about. he doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: any more thoughts about Cop Out? <laughs>
0: I have no thoughts
1: about Cop Out Alright, let's move on to Red State Blue jeans, boosting, stains Someone's always stealing my truck That's right they are Red State, white hate Cut me one more time for good luck you know you want to. I left little Millie down in Philly. She won't come a bit of
0: my Willie.
1: Okay, so Red State is um, a horror hyphen thriller film.
0: Hmm, horror. That's an interesting choice of word.
1: Uh, about uh, a bunch of teenagers, three boys. Mm. one of whom is played by uh, Nicholas Joseph Braun of Succession fame.
0: Oh, yeah. Was he discovered by Kevin Smith? Oh, no. His first film was Sky High in 2005. Yeah, but that's like a kid's film. And then he was in Minutemen. That's another Disney film. He was on Water SVU in the role of kid. (laughs) There you go. This is his breakout role as Billy Ray. No way, man. Breakout, <laughs> it implies that he broke out after it.
1: You know, a, mere, a decade later, he was in Succession. His,
0: uh, broke out his, break, his breakout role was Succession. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that he's going to be a Cat Person. Oh, I'm so excited for that movie. <laughs> is he really? Yeah, he plays the, the guy. Is he the boyfriend? He's the boyfriend, yeah.
1: Wow. Um, anyway, there's three boys, one of whom is the guy from Succession. Um, they, uh, they use this hookup website to find uh, a woman in the local area who wants to fuck all three of them. Mm, at the same time. So they're like, sweet. One of the kids borrows his dad's car. They drive off. Um, they bump into Steven Root. Who's getting bumped off. Trying to get rooted with a man. Um, but they drive off and they go to their rendezvous with this woman. They, uh, arranged to meet on aforementioned website. Mm. And, uh, she's like, Hey boys, come in, uh, before we get fucking, you got to get drinking. So they start downing some beers and she's like, i never let anyone in me unless they had at least two beers. <laughs> Can we get that accent one more time?
0: <laughs> I'll never let another man I'll in ne- me. I'll never let a man in me unless he's saying two beers first. All right. You did it well. <laughs> did I? <laughs> Advantage American. I would say it's on the same level as the actress in the movie.
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, they drink the beers. They move into the bedroom. Start stripping down, and then they uh, fall over and pass out. What? Oh no, what's going to happen? One of them wakes up in a cage. And um, outside the cage, obscured by a blanket thrown over the cage, is a church service in progress. Led by one pastor, Aben Cooper played by Michael Parks. And he is modelled on the leader of the Westboro Baptist Church, none too subtly. He does a sermon on the the sins of the nation, focusing most attention on the sin of uh, homosexuality. And uh, to demonstrate his ire, his... Um, God-given wrath They execute uh, The man Not one of the kids Not one of the kids They execute the the guy They've tied up And um, I guess the 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 boys are going to be next They're like,
0: oh shit, oh shit Right Mm.
1: Um, But then it turns into Like a Waco siege That's the film And John Goodwin, John Goodwin is in charge of John the, Goodwin. <laughs> John John Goodman is in charge of the the. Uh, what what agency are they actually from? I wasn't even sure because they weren't the Feds. AT- ATF. ATF.
0: John Goodman is, is an a ATF agent, to Wake and is, that was also that was also a reference to Wake Al. Right. Okay,
1: and he's leading the the charge, the siege.
0: Hmm. And then people get killed.
1: And uh, that's the film.
0: How'd you like it, bro? I'm going to be uh, completely honest with you, Hugh. No jokes. No jokes, okay? No jokes. Got it? No jokes. I loved it. I thought this was one of the worst movies I'd ever seen. Really? You think this is worse than Cop Out? <laughs> I thought it was much, much worse than Cop Out. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, what do we? I started. I was like, okay, I don't think this is gonna be good, but at least you know, it's a horror film. You got some intrinsically entertaining stuff. You know, you got people getting killed. You got some violence. Whatever. There's gonna be like some bad, scary movie at moments. But how literal was I prepared for how boring and off putting this movie is, and how it mean, just completely incompetent we made this. The only enjoyment that I had was trying to discern exactly what political message it was trying to say. <laughs> it's clearly supposed to be a statement about something, but I really couldn't uh, figure out what was going on. Uh, I, I, I did not enjoy it at all. <laughs> what did you think? Did you think, as I did, that this was
1: virulently homophobic? I did. <laughs> Which is the irony, given that clearly he's he's painting the leader of this uh, psycho church as like a bad guy for being homophobic and evil, but I think any any political message there is completely undercut by like the depiction of Stephen Root's character.
0: Yeah, is this like simpering like loser? <laughs> he gets killed for no reason. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. I, uh, that uh, yeah, that was, that was pleasant The only gay characters in this movie get killed. It's like, uh, okay.
1: <laughs> one of them is a joke and one of them is like nastily executed, which is the only real like nasty death in the film. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it really does leave an unpleasant taste in the mouth. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and again, we, we say this, we say this often because it seems to rear its head in most of Smith's films, uh, at this point. But it is so strange that the man who made Chasing Amy, <laughs> yeah, continued this particular juvenile and homophobic thread in his films thereafter.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I, I gotta say, I, I, it's hard to say how much is is you know Smith's fault or how much of it is like piggybacking off the like homophobia that's in the, that was that was very prevalent in the culture in like uh, John Apatow films and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but this this goes beyond that for sure. Yeah, it does. Um,
1: and what what annoyed me about this film, again, shot by uh, David Klein of Cop Out fame, it's entirely shot in that extremely dated high shutter speed horror style. Yeah. I can't remember if it's high shutter speed or low shutter speed that has this effect. It's that Saving Private Ryan shutter trick. Yeah. Where the movement has that shuttery edge and it, it gives it like this visceral quality or it's supposed to... And it's extremely overused, both in action scenes and um, horror movies of this vintage in particular. And it has not aged well whatsoever. Like, the entire film is, like, shot like that, basically.
0: Like how documentary TV shows, like, the very style of them precludes me from laughing. The very style of this precludes me from being scared at any
1: moment. Yes, yes, (laughs) I I concur
0: with that. (laughs) not it's it's hard to it's it's a movie that you when you're watching it you're not really sure what parts are supposed to be scary though because mm. there's not a lot of like there's no jump scares at all except for i guess when you know one of the teens gets blasted by the government but there's like no like i don't know what, what was supposed to be scary in this <laughs> it's 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 a very strange movie
1: that the like yeah. the mashup of genres where it's like oh it's gonna be one of those hostile 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 Hostile.
0: It's gonna be one of those hostile style hostile. films Hostiles. where a
1: bunch of horny teens get executed, mm, get tortured, yeah, one by one picked off. And it's gonna be increasingly revolting or whatever.
0: Mm. Uh, and that really doesn't happen. No. Instead, it just like becomes like a shitty action movie. <laughs> and then you've got
1: you've got Michael Parks, who is set up early as. Um, a very Tarantino-style figure, I reckon. I mean, he has been in previous Tarantino films, but that appears to be what the film is going to like gravitate around his like, his like magnetic sermons, right? Yeah. But there is one like sermon that you that is pretty forgettable. I think Michael Parks is a is a good actor for this
0: type I of agree. role. But but I, I it's thought a, it's a pretty, I thought that scene was excruciating.
1: Yeah, and, and you can also barely understand him. His enunciation needs some work. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's partly Which I think his age mod,
0: I, think can, I think you can play on uh, Smith too Yeah, yeah
1: So you can barely understand this sermon But it, it's it seems like it wants to be one of those show-stopping Tarantino-style monologues Anchored by this uh, vibrant performance Yeah and then that sort of dissipates. He doesn't really figure much into the film after that point. <laughs> mm, he's there, no. but he's not like the evil the antagonist. Only, the only time he like
0: pops, pops up really is in the like final ironic uh, joke yeah. with the Kevin Smith vocal cameo.
1: The one thing I'll say is I didn't mind like the 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 rapture
0: thing. I thought that was stupid as an idea. Especially because it is original indeed for the film The rapture actually did happen
1: (laughs) Well that's what I was wondering If he would go through with that Because I don't mind that idea either Mm. And I also don't mind the way it ended up in this film The film is terrible But I kind of liked that moment Where they're all coming out and it's playing the horns And it's like Uh, what is actually going on here No
0: no no I didn't like that Sorry man
1: Because then it could have become like a third weird genre Mm. If he went through with it,
0: yeah, what well, he doesn't. That it. would have at least been more interesting. I think <laughs> it just feels—it feels like what it—it it seems like it was—is the budget just ran out. It's like okay, let's just cut to them talking, and, and it'll resolve the entire film. So so far, Kevin Smith has proved he is not Judd Apatow. He is not
1: uh,
0: Quentin Tarantino.
1: <laughs> who else is he mm. not? He can only be Kevin Smith.
0: Um, he's not. He's not. Uh, 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 who? The, who, di- who directed Die Hard? <laughs> Oh my God! Oh, uh, um, McTiernan. McTiernan, yeah, he's not John McTiernan. He's not even uh, uh, what's his name? Who directed uh, 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 Lethal Weapon*? Uh, uh, not Shane Black. Not Shane Black. What's his name? The guy directed Superman. Oh my God. Uh, Richard Donner. Richard Donner. He's not Richard Donner. So he's definitely in the wilderness. And uh, I, I surprised you enjoyed anything this year. I thought it was like it's, it's. I think it's awful. I thought it was really. <laughs> Really painful
1: Well, my, largely I was just curious to see how Kevin Smith was going to handle this type of film. So I was, <laughs> oh, that that is
0: what kept me going. My curiosity was sated after uh, five minutes, and I was like, oh, this is awful. And then uh,
1: <laughs> I didn't mind that much that it shifted genres and it wasn't going to be a torturing teenagers' film. Me neither. But I don't like hostile, hostile style but films. But
0: the, the, the genre that replaced it was also poorly done.
1: So. It was. It doesn't work. It's not. A, it's not. A, it's not a transition that is successful or graceful in any way.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. Terrible.
1: Did you notice in the credit that it had a, a little uh, section that said all the cast, most of the cast will return and Hit Somebody.
0: Oh yeah, that was his like a hockey film. His lost hockey out. film. Yeah. yeah. Wonder what happened to that.
1: Should we bother getting into the controversy about this film's distribution, or just tell people to read Wikipedia because we're just going to badly paraphrase was it? Well,
0: you, you, can, you can badly paraphrase me. I don't know anything about this. I didn't. I didn't look at Wikipedia at all. Not oh, really? Well, yeah. I'm a little bit
1: confused by it. But apparently, what happened is when it was being screened at a festival. I can't remember which one. Maybe Sundance. Mm. I'm not sure.
0: It, like it, it wasn't a, was a proper.
1: So. It was a proper festival screening where the audience was potential distributors for the film. So it's where you go to actually sell the film to a distributor. And then he said I think on that occasion like immediately after during the Q&A and whatever he's like I'm not going to sell the film, I'm going to distribute this myself.
0: Wasn't there wasn't there some stunt that he, he was going to like auction it off and then he like sold it to himself for a dollar or something like that.
1: But basically why the distributors were unhappy about it was they had gone to this to potentially buy his film mm. and he had arranged the screening according to them knowing that he wasn't going to sell it to them. So it was just wasting their time. It was like a, a bad will gesture, if you will. Mm. Somewhere in the midst of this, like I'm not sure exactly like the, the order of events or why he made this decision, but it does appear that he had some sort of like meltdown as he is wont to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we didn't talk about it, but he had a meltdown in the wake of the reviews for cop-out. Yes. A public he, he meltdown used, on social uh, media some, where he some, was like, uh, fuck you critics. Unpleasant, and
0: unpleasant like words, uh, that are no longer uh, politically correct to say aloud.
1: And he always, <laughs> that's right. I forgot the quote for now. I remember it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he always, he was always thin skinned about criticism. Yes. I mean, that's like a, a, a big feature in uh, a big plot feature in Clux 2, I guess. Hmm. And subsequent movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was, that was always the part Insano of his makeup. Strike, but he really had a huge yeah. meltdown with with Cop Out. Mm. Before that, he was probably just fighting with people on message boards that no one was reading unless they were fans of his. So, mm. like, who cares? Sure. Um, but this was his biggest, like, public meltdown. Mm-hmm. And this subsequent meltdown during the distribution for Red State, or that process at least, appears to be along the same lines in a way. Like, it appears mm. that, I mean, he, he may have, like, pretended that he had this plan all along to, like, distribute it himself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: or uh, But it, it, it just seems really bizarre, like, the way he did it, like, That's why he of, would arrange that ex screening. post or,
0: facto, like, yeah, he just had everything, meltdown.
1: I don't even understand it properly. I'm not probably not even conveying it accurately. It just does seem like he had some sort of meltdown. And then uh, that, that, that
0: ruined his chances of distribution that he just said to do it himself.
1: Yeah. Okay. But this is kind of the beginning of the... Touring the film mm. era in a way, because that was one of his plans with this, with self-distributing it, was to actually tour mm. around America himself, sure. and that eventually came to pass with uh, his recent couple of films. Mm. This is like the weird distribution era, <laughs> yeah, definitely. of Kevin Smith, and obviously we'll get to Kilroy was here. At least we'll Will talk we? about <laughs> yeah. it. We can't watch it.
0: Mm. We'll mention it in passing. We'll mention it, yes. Uh, and you'll continue trying to hunt it down, right? I will give it a shot before uh, that episode <laughs> comes out. But I have my doubts. Doesn't seem like anyone's going to get, a, get their hands on a copy. Well, let's just chill out however much the fucking uh, NFT is for the NFT and <laughs> go from there.
1: Anyway, that's Red State.
0: All right. Yeah. Uh, fucking terrible movie. Uh, I can't believe you didn't dislike it as much as I did. I I will say
1: about this film, actually, in contrast to uh, some some other films that we've discussed by Smith, Mm. I think his wife was very appropriately cast.
0: (laughs) You know, uh, I didn't even notice her uh, in in the role that she played. There you go. We realised so perfectly
1: cast was she that she uh, appeared to be (laughs) barely in the perfectly placed. (laughs) It felt like like she really fit the character of like. Someone
0: enamored of an evil cult leader. (laughs) 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 Kind of like her in real life with Kevin Smith. (laughs) That's very nice. We're we're ruining our chances to get on this podcast,
1: bro. Speaking of the podcast era, another thing that makes this um, a lead up to that, if not part of it, is the presence of... um, What's his name? I don't know. Let me find his name.
0: John John is Goodwin. Pre-
1: nope. Is the presence of his Hollywood Babylon podcast co-host Ralph Garman. Who? He's the guy who dies first. He kills. He kills the guy from Succession. Uh, and gets killed himself.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So he is one of. Um, he's part of the Kevin Smith podcasting empire.
0: Hmm. As we will be, too. Hope springs eternal. Hey, Kevin, if you ever want to come on our podcast, we'll have you. We will. We even suck your dick. <laughs> uh, do we agree to that? Are we
1: alternating or like one of us works the boss? one of us one does us the boss, the
0: one works the shaft. Yeah, you know, one right. of us licks the... I mean, I'm sure it's huge, so, you know, we'll only be able to get like a small portion of it are you going to say? We need no, no, what, one of us, yeah, yeah, that'll be the third person. Um, anyway. <laughs> so every time I've seen my brother of late,
1: um, in the last few months at least, he has he has asked me, where is the podcast? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and all I want to say is at the end of the recording of this one, is this what you want to do?
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I can't imagine uh, we would uh, ever need to say anything after that. So, <laughs> have a nice night, everybody. Good night. Wherever you are. <laughs>